Uh, we've been in a teaching series straight out of Romans, and uh, uh, I've loved this time. And we have, man, I'm so proud of you guys because you, you, you toughed your way through Romans 5 through 7. You grunted through it. You did the work. And today we get to be out of Romans chapter 8. And we'll be here actually for a couple of weeks. So uh, uh, everybody, uh, every teacher, theologian, scholar struggles through 5 through 7. And, uh, but it's only through 5 through 7 that we get to land in Romans chapter 8. So let's begin. I just want to, today is just going to be really short, just a couple of quick verses, uh, something I'm pretty passionate about. Go ahead and throw those verses up there. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's Spirit when He, what's that word? Adopted you as His own. Now, We call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Now, I'm not a, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert on adoption, but as a father to an adopted son, and maybe some of you don't know this, uh, my older brother is actually adopted. Um, I don't think that makes me an expert, but when I see the word, adoption in scripture uh, fills me with a lot of emotion. So today I want to speak to you a little bit about adoption. This word uh, uh, in Greek, it's actually in scripture, this word adoption appears several times in the New Testament. Uh, uh, In scripture, it's it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's not based on a legal law or religious law, but but it's a a Roman word. Uh, If a son... Uh, had any debts from his previous family. So imagine there's a family that has a son or has a child and those parents die. The way it would work is all of the assets of that family would pass to the child. But if that family also had tremendous debt, guess where the debt goes? The debt would land squarely on the child's shoulders as well. But according to Roman law, and this is the word that Paul uses in Scripture, when that son is adopted, all of those debts are canceled. Did you know that? So adoption is this kind of removal of of debts. But anyone who knows anything about adoption knows it's more than just a legal transaction. In the scripture, it says that we are prompted to call God, Abba, Father. He doesn't use Greek here, but an Aramaic word, Abba. It's a, it's a term for father, but it, and it's used multiple times in the New Testament. It's not a formal or legal term, but a term of dependency and intimacy. Um, uh, sometimes, every now and then, my, my daughter will have nightmares um, one of, the, one of the movies, wow, she's going to kill me for telling you this. Um, so we watched the movie Jumanji. You guys know the mo- movie Jumanji? That movie is scary. Like lions jump out and crocodiles and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, 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 well, I'll put it this way. Someone in our household who saw Jumanji uh, had nightmares that night after watching Jumanji and was crying out from their bedroom and they were crying out, and they weren't saying, Adam, Adam, Adam. They weren't saying, Amy, Amy, my wife's name. But they were crying out, Daddy, D- 
daddy, daddy. It's this incredibly like emotional term. Jesus uses it uh, himself. If you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before his death, anxious, scared, nervous, sweats like drops of blood pouring off of him. Jesus even prays, Abba, Daddy, if you can take this cup from me, but your will be done. And I love that Paul includes this word Abba about Roman law and debts being canceled. And there's so much there for us who have faith to to think about our sins and the debts that God has canceled for us. But he doesn't just leave it there. It's not just a legal transaction. He takes it to a whole other family emotional level and says, hey, not only are you adopted, but God now wants you to call him daddy. He doesn't free us and then leave us to live our own life, but invites us into his own family. When I did my undergrad at uh, Auburn University, my my undergrad degree is in human development and family studies, uh, which means uh, I learned all about families and family systems. I especially worked, uh, studied adolescence. I know there's a lot to learn. but I wanted to know uh, how families and how family systems worked. And it, it's kind of a, a degree for like people who want to be marriage and family therapists or, or counselors or maybe want to work in, in social work and always wanted to work with teenagers. So this is the degree I was in. The fact that 99% of the people in my program were female had nothing to do with my choice whatsoever to be in this program. But I remember sitting in one of our classes one day, and we were talking about this idea of adoption. And um, it just wasn't going well. It just wasn't going well. Um, a lot of the comments that were being said in regards to adoption were, were pretty derogatory towards this whole idea of adoption. And I... And I you know how uh, soft-spoken and unwilling to speak out I am. Um, <clears throat> I just I remember I raised my hand in, in our class, which is predominantly female. I was sitting right in the middle, and I raised my hand, and I, and I said, hey, what's the big deal about adoption? Why, is, is adoption some sort of bad thing or something? And I, I will never forget this, but the girl sitting right in front of me, she turned around in her seat and looked right into my face with this, like, this, like, look of shock and dismay and she she looked right into my eyes and she said but they're not yours I never hit a girl my whole life but I thought about it they're not yours that was a uh she said it that it, it wasn't a nice it wasn't a nice way of saying it I don't know, maybe there's some of those attitudes about adoption that are still out there, um, but I never quite come face to face with it. So I took it as my opportunity to tell her, you know, my, uh, my older brother is adopted. And so I got to tell the class a little bit of uh, my older brother's story and our story, and he was actually adopted before I was ever born, before my parents conceived me. And I said, so at what point was he not my brother? He has always been my brother. He's never not been. So what do you mean when you say 
He's not ours. But I think she, she hit on something that uh, a lot of people feel and struggle with around the idea of adoption is just this idea of belonging. Who do you belong to? I love what Paul says later in Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. He says, even before he made the world, God loved us. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to, what's that word? God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So I've done this before, but I need you to, I need you to do it again. I need you to uh, turn to the person sitting next to you or close to you or around you. So go ahead and turn. Uh, look them uh, deep in the eyes. I mean, like, deeply. Deeper than that, even. Look deep into their eyes. And I need you to just repeat after me. Uh, there's something I need to tell you. We've been needing to tell you for a long time. Maybe even you have suspected it. But the truth is, look deep in their eyes, you're adopted. <laughs> yeah, so some of you are like, yeah, that, that is actually very true. Um, be honest, you've sat around the table and probably asked this question before, <laughs> like haven't you? Even with people you know, like, man, this is, this is strange. Maybe you've wondered, I must be adopted. I can't be, uh, I can't be kid to these people. But the truth is, if you look at Scripture, if you look at God's own word, the truth is we all are. Think about that. There's not one of us that isn't, been, isn't adopted, that has not been adopted by God, even before, it says, even before God made the world, by his own sovereign initiative, God chose you. He fell in love with you. When my wife and I decided to adopt, um, we have a son from, uh, you'll probably see him running around here, uh, we have a son from Ethiopia named Cannon. Uh, we adopted him um, almost four years ago. Uh, and when we were kind of gearing up for this whole adoption process, uh, there, was, there was one part that we were, we were really nervous and anxious about. And there was one part of the adoption process that we, we just, we were not looking forward to. So mostly you work through different adoption agencies which work with different parts of the world or different parts of the company. And all of these agencies have a book. And I was nervous about the book because the book is filled with page after page after page of kids' faces and names and description. It was the, the choice book. Even right now, uh, I can give you the website. There's websites you can go online. And um, uh, what, what makes this worse is uh, especially kids with... Uh, 
oh man, this is, this is going to sound so horrible, but it's true. But, but there are kids that are more desirable to be adopted and less desirable to be adopted. And especially if you have some sort of disability, you fall in the less desirable adoption list. And if you're in the less desirable adoption list, then you can get adopted sooner or quicker or faster. And you can go online right now to, to a dozen different agencies and look at pictures and names of kids who right now, today, you can adopt. Now, my wife and I knew we were going to adopt, but we dreaded the moment that they placed this book in front of us. And I told Amy, I said, look, whoever's on the first page, we're just taking the first page. We're not going to page two. We're only adopting. We're, we're only getting one. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have page two, whoever's on page two or page one haunted me my whole life. So whoever's on page one, you better tell them, put a good one on page one because we're getting page one. We're not going any further than that. I can't take it. I just can't take the idea that, hey, there's page after page after page and, and here I am supposed to pick one. Here I am supposed to choose there was a little bit of choice in our adoption, which was, which was weird. So the, it was even hard for us to choose boy or girl. So they said, you got to choose, you got to choose. And I just said, hey, first available. Like, like I want as little to do with choice as possible. I trust God. It's going to work out. It's going to be fine. And uh, believe it or not, they, had a, they, actually, they actually had six girls uh, come up for adoption. We were at the top of the list. And they said, hey, we've got, we've got six girls that, that have just come up for adoption. And I need to know, you, you need to tell us, do you want a boy or do you want a girl? Because if you don't want a girl, if you really don't care, a boy or a girl, just wait. Boys will come because I have, I have six families after you that want girls. By the way, girls are far more uh, desirable in adoption than boys are. And so if you, if you don't want... If you're okay not having a girl, you can wait a little bit longer. I guarantee you a boy will come up. And I've said, I don't care. I don't care. First available. Give me first available. I don't want to choose. I don't want to choose. And my dad just kind of, my dad breathed into my, breathed into my ear. He said, Adam, it's okay. It's okay. And uh, we, we have an awesome girl. And, and I said, all right, let's, let's choose a boy. And so we waited, and those first six passed us by. Um, uh, uh, it's interesting now that uh, actually three of those first six live in Franklin. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? And we know them. Uh, I'm like, you could have been ours. <clears throat> <laughs> What's interesting in Scripture is that it says, even before God made the world, by his own sovereign initiative, God chose us. And he fell in love with us. It's almost as if uh, the book of the world is set before God. And on every page is, is your face and your face. And on every page is your name. On, on every page is, is a person in our world. And God takes this massive book with all of our names and all of our faces on it, and he begins to turn through the pages, and he just simply says, yes. 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 
I want some of you right now, I know some of you have, have some issues with, with maybe body image or belonging or, or self-worth or doubting your value. I want you to know right here and now, you are chosen by God. And that makes you incredibly valuable. Think about that. What kind of God do we have? What other God? You tell me what other faith, what other religion has a God like our God that says, I'll take you. And I'll take you. I, I know your background. I see, the, I see the list of what's happened. I'll take you anyway. And I'll take you and I'll take you and I'll take you. Through Jesus Christ, God adopted us into his own family. It's what he wanted to do, and Scripture says it brought him great pleasure. With each turn of the page, with each yes, the smile on God's face gets bigger and bigger and bigger. God said yes to you. Who do you belong to? You belong to God. So speaking about adoption, I want to show you a video. I, I, don't, think I've ever, uh, I don't think I've ever shared it with you. Uh, it's super grainy. It's, it's not a great video. The, the lady who took the video first didn't know how to twist the camera to get it to do the, you ever see those tall, thin, yeah, turn the camera. Um, but she didn't know how to do that. She was Ethiopian, and this video, it's only about maybe 90 seconds, and we cleaned it up as best we could, but I want you to see, uh, this is a video of the very first time Amy and I met our son, Cannon. Watch this. So I remember that moment because he was totally freaked out by me. (laughs) Spent maybe uh, like his whole life up to that point basically around women with zero contact with men whatsoever. So he got this big white eyes like, what are you? Uh, <laughs> not the fact that white, bald. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, culture shock happening there on, on both sides. So um, at least uh, in our adoption process, uh, you, you, have to, uh, you have to go to Ethiopia and you have to make two trips. The, the first trip is really to complete the Ethiopian side of the adoption, and the second trip is to complete the, the, uh, the U.S. side of the adoption, if that makes sense. And so this is the very beginning of our first trip. Like, we literally got off the plane after more than 30-something hours of travel, uh, got in a car, drove through Addis Ababa, got to the children's home that's run by our adoption agency, uh, and you could hear all the kids in the background and uh, it was a little bit painful because every kid kind of looked at us like, are you mine? Are you, do we get? I was like, no, 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 hold on now. Let's find ours. And they gave us directions up to the nursery where Cannon was. And if you could see, he's got a little flat head and he can't hold his head up straight yet because he hadn't had any time being held really and hadn't had any time around. And so, uh, but that was the, the best moment for us was because from that moment, we took Cannon out of that nursery and for seven days he lived with us. 
So we went to a, a, like a like a boarding house, and for seven days, Cannon slept in the room with us, and uh, we spent time with him, and we fed him, and we changed him, and we took him around, and we went to court, and we we completed the Ethiopian side of the adoption process, and so we remember this room as like the best moment, but that room is also the absolute worst moment for us, because at the end of our seven days in Ethiopia. We had to go, um, and we walked right back into that same room, carrying Cannon, who we'd just been a week with, seven days with, bonding and praying and feeding and changing, and we handed him back to the lady working in his nursery. There was about six kids in that nursery, and um, we walked out. We walked downstairs, and we did really, really good until we got to the airport, and we got on the plane, and sitting right behind us was a baby crying. And Amy and I, we looked at each other, and we said, how, how in the world are we going to do this? They estimated that it was going to take maybe two or three months uh, for the adoption process on the U.S. side to be finished and for us to come back. It ended up taking six Uh, I don't remember, uh, I know you guys knew me around that time, but I don't know if anyone really knew kind of what was going on with us. Um, it, was, it was one of those moments of our life that it was, you know, it was hard to work, it was hard to eat, it was hard to sleep. It, it, it felt like for six months it was a little bit hard to breathe. Um, and the hardest thing for Amy and I through this, through this whole process, through the whole adoption process, was when we were here, and literally our son, by Ethiopian law, was thousands and thousands of miles away. For six months, our son lay in his crib at the transition house, and while he received decent care, far better than many, the amount of love and touch and interaction he got was woefully insufficient. The worst part for us was that while laying in that crib, he would, he would assume or believe, even at his young age, that, that this was all there is. Our deepest fear was that, that he, would, he would know or think or, or somehow internalize that, that this is the way it is always going to be, that, that uh, he would always, he would feel that he would always be alone. He would feel he wasn't valuable to anyone. He would feel he, that he would never have a family. He would feel that there was, there was no one who wanted to hold him or love him. The worst part for us was, was how could he possibly know what Amy and I knew? That we were feverishly working, spending every breath, paying every price, dedicating every thought and prayer to bringing him home. He was loved, and we wanted nothing more than to hold him. I think sometimes too easily we resign ourselves to thinking and believing that, uh, that somehow you are lacking something or, or 
Sometimes we resign our thought to ourselves too easily to the thought of, of somehow we, are, we, are, we aren't enough, that we are insufficient. Sometimes maybe you feel like, like this is just the way it's going to be and things are never going to change and this is all there is. If only you could know that the God of the universe is frantically working in heaven, it says, to bring you home. If you could only know, if you could only somehow realize how incredibly special you are to him, that he's head over heels in love with you, willing to pay any price, even sacrifice his own son to adopt you, to bring you into his forever family. Um, I have, it's sad news to me, but a couple of months ago, Ethiopia closed all adoptions. I don't know if you, if you knew this. So more adoptions happened out of Ethiopia than maybe any other country in the whole world. They, uh, some, somewhere between 30 and 50 kids a day are adopted out of Ethiopia. And a few months ago, it closed. That's like 15,000 adoptions a year. Um, and they closed it for all kinds of reasons. But remember what I told you when you go through the adoption process, there's two weeks. The first week you finish the Ethiopian side of the adoption and the second week you finish the US side of the adoption. And so when they closed the adoption process, what happened was it trapped some kids in the middle. Even right now, there are kids that are legally adopted through the Ethiopian system that can't complete the adoption and get a passport, and so they're, they're trapped there. They've been stuck there for months. They're trying to work on it. Maybe help some of these kids in the middle get home. But that, that trapped in the middle is, is exactly kind of where we are. Somewhere between God adopting us and belonging to him completely and him finishing the adoption and bringing us home. We're all here trapped in the middle. And in Romans, Paul goes on to say in chapter 8, verse 23, these words for those who are trapped. He says, we too wait with, what are those two words? Eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. God chose you from before the world began to belong to him, to be a part of his forever family. God paid your adoption price through the blood and of his son, Jesus Christ, canceling all your debts to sin and death. He brought you into intimate relationship with him, and he wants you to call him daddy. And if you believe that, then I invite you as men and women of faith to live in eager hope to live with eager expectation, to remember the full promises of God, to remember that this is not all there is, that you are loved and valued beyond measure and God is moving in every conceivable way to bring you home, to complete your adoption.
Let me say a prayer for us. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, for its power, for the message of adoption. And God, I pray that this message would, would reverberate deep within some of us who, who doubt our worth, who doubt our value, who, who question our purpose. Father God, let us uh, be comforted in the fact that, that you love us and chose us. Let us receive our, our value from you. Let us live out of that value. Let us know in ways that, that only the Spirit can reveal that we have been adopted, that we belong to you, and that your love for us is so great that you would never leave us or abandon us forever. And Father God, in turn, let us live with eager hope eager expectation knowing the truth of what's to come and the love that you have for us even now here today so father god i pray for those on the verge pray for those who question themselves god i pray for those uh, who things feel hopeless right now I pray that their hope would be restored, that they would know their value in you. God, this morning, if there's opportunities for us to pray for those who are, are hurting, I pray that, that you would, by your spirit, that you would move them to act. Maybe, Father God, even in this space, there's, there are those that are ready to give their life to you through baptism. God, we, we want to see that happen. Father God, let us take you seriously. Let us embrace these words in the deep places of our heart. Father God, we love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everybody together says,